what is your top priority? I mean, today, if you're just thinking about what is the top priority of today, day by day, what takes precedent in your life? What takes the most energy? What takes the most time? What is your heart's attention? What is your priority? In our series of Anticipate, Anticipate Generosity, we're learning about the generous character of our Lord and exploring the different currencies that we can uh, expand and learn to be generous. Right? A currency is a medium, a, a value, a medium that can we change value. So we've learned that it's not just finances, although it is. It's not, a, a currency could be social-emotional currency. It could be relational. It could be spiritual. We talked about forgiveness as a currency. These lots of currencies that we have. And one of the things we're very clear about is that you cannot be generous in one and declare yourself generous. In order to be generous like our Lord is generous, in which he's calling us to be generous, he says you have to be generous in all of these currencies. In everything. Either you are generous or you're not. You can't be partial generous. You can't be halfway. Today we're going to explore the currency of hospitality. The currency of hospitality and our generosity, how are we hospitable? And we're going to use this concept of host versus guest, and we're going to get back to that. Are we a host or are we a guest? But here's the amazing thing I want you to understand about this word that we use in Scripture about hospitality. If we literally translated it, this is what it means. It means love of strangers. That's what hospitality means. It means stranger love. Radical, abundant, generous neighbor love with people who are not like you. That's what hospitality means in Scripture. In our generosity, what is our priority? In our hospitality, in our generous stranger love, what is our priority? And so today we're going to anticipate our priorities. Kingdom priorities, Jesus priorities in his generosity with hospitality. Not our priorities, because you're going to see quickly that the kingdom priorities are not our natural or designed priorities. Let's look at Luke. So Jesus, on the Sabbath day, just before this, uh, this verse that we read this morning, just, he's invited on the Sabbath to a very important Pharisee. So that he is in the inner circle. I mean, he's not, the, he's not the chief priest, but he is right there. Like, he probably mingles with the chief priest. So this is a, a very important Pharisee. He's invited to his house along with other guests. And in the midst of that, there's a man with dropsy. And so Jesus asks all the Pharisees and the people, the guests there, says, is it okay if I heal this man on the Sabbath? And they actually don't give an answer. <laughs> they're like, I'm not sure how to answer this question from this man. Jesus heals the man, and then he turns and tells a parable, the parable which we just read, everyone. Now, the custom, you have to understand what here, like he says, well, it's a dinner party, right? And we have dinner parties, but this is crucial to their culture, dinner parties. This hospitality was important. This is how they engaged. This is how they engaged in political conversations. This is how they, they uh, got up into higher echelons in society. 
Because this, this is, there was no uh, community halls, no restaurants. You come to someone's house for dinner. And so the custom was there was no assigned seating. This is not like a wedding or, or maybe Thanksgiving dinner where you put assigned seats and you have to like, think about, can Uncle Billy uh, sit next to, uh, you know, Brother Jamie, and they're both kind of, you know, antagonistic. To, you know, we have to separate them out, right? You know how you do that at your wedding, right? You have to be careful about who sits with who, right? There was no assigned seating. And so it is very strategic when you go there. Like, you want to sit next to the most important person or the most important person that has the most influence in your society. or So this is a social caste system. So you want it because this is how you get favors. This is how you, you grow in stature. But their, their, their lights shine a little bit on you, and then everyone else thinks, oh, look at who's sitting next to who. Look who's buddy-buddy. It's where you ask for favors. And though those that were in higher positions, they would want people to ask for favors because they would want to be able to give those favors and then ask for something in return as well. So this is how society worked. This is how you, you, got, you went up and down in the social caste system is by where you sit and where you were invited to these dinner parties. And so here Jesus is in this party. And he says in verse 7, he told the parable of those who were invited, right? Knows they, they understand the system. Then he knows how how they chose the place's honor, which they ought to in their society. This makes sense, right? We're going to get next to the best of the best. I want to know. And he says, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the place of honor. I mean, this doesn't make any sense to them. Least someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to the person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Jesus is not trying to give him practical advice, like how to, how to get, get higher place in the society. That's not what he's trying to do. Like, hey, hey, this would be practical here. Sit in the lowest place, and then it will be great if they lift you up, right? That's not what he's, that's not what he's saying. He's, Jesus is saying, do not worry about prestige and honor in your society. Stop worrying about it. Do not worry about power or influence. Do not worry whether who sits next to you or not. Don't worry about being the last p- person picked at the schoolyard. Your priority is not influence. Your priority is not your power or authority at the dinner party or in your society. Your priority is not being on the inside or being one of the popular kids. This is not middle school politics. This is not what you think it's about. All of us want to be loved. All of us want to be liked and popular. All of us want to belong. And Jesus is radically saying, is to stop worrying about that. You are aimed and focused on the wrong thing. Whatever social setting that we are in, we want to be on the inside. We want to be on the inner circle. We want to be one of the cool kids, whether it's work, whether it's church, whether it's in your family, right? There's cool kids in your family, right? There's the popular ones in your family. Right, whether it's when you're friends, you want to be on the winning side. This is this is how we treat our politics too. 
We want to be on the winning side. Here's, here's a clue. There is no winning side in election. I just want you to understand that very clearly. There is no winning side. We get to choose in our culture a person that leads. All of us. There is no winning side. Our hope is that whoever is elected helps all of us and serves all of us. Either we all win or we all lose. There is no winning side. But I, I know how it works because we want, yeah, we want my team to win. We want my candidate to win. We want to be winners. We, we want to be on the inside. This is actually why we, we gossip, right? Because we want the inside information. We want to be in the inner circle. And then we say, did you know? Like we have some power. Did you know this? Because I know this. Let me tell you this. This is how we are. And Jesus is saying, this is not how it works. Stop worrying about trying to be on the inside. Jesus is actually telling you, it is okay to be on the outside. And actually what he's saying, unless you conquer your fear on being on the outside, you will never have the right priorities. I'll say that again. Unless you conquer your fear of being an outsider, of not belonging, of not being on the inside, you will never have kingdom priorities. You will never have the mindset of Jesus. Because the next thing he says in verse 11, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He flips everything upside down. If you want to be exalted in this world, great. You'll be exalted in this world. This world will end. Your exaltation will end. It will matter nothing. Jesus said there's something else that's more important right here and right now, and it's not your exaltation. Be humble. My family has been beginning to watch uh, The M.A.S.H., some of you may have heard of that show, uh, MASH, right? Uh, so uh, the, the character Frank Burns, uh, I love Frank Burns. Not because he's a likable character, but because he's so unlikable. Right? Frank Burns is just like, irritating and annoying, and, and no one likes Frank Burns. But at the heart of it, Frank wants to be liked. And he tries so hard to be liked, he just doesn't know how to be liked. Because he tries so hard to do anything, to be, you know, he's either brown nose or whatever, right? And he thinks by acting the way he is, he's going to be liked. And the moments that he is liked, he gets so excited, like, yeah, I'm one of the guys. But here's the thing. We know people like this. And maybe we're people like this. That we're so eager to be liked, we'll do anything to be liked. We don't like those people that want to be liked in our lives. You know, that someone that really wants to be your friend, that, and they'll do everything. And you're just like, that is just weird, and I'm just not interested in that, right? But the people, the people that don't really care whether they're liked, they don't care about how you, you think about them, those are the people that we're actually drawn to. Man, we, that's where we, I want to be liked by them. I want to be their friend. So Jesus is actually just saying to these people, stop trying so hard. Stop trying to be liked. Stop trying to be inside. Be okay with being on the outside. Because here's a clue. He's gonna, this is where you belong. This is who you are. 
You're on the outside of this world, and you want to be on the outside. You don't want to be on the inside. This is not good. This is not the kingdom. Be on the outside. Stop caring about who likes you or not. Humble yourself. Identify with the lowest, not the highest. Because then you're actually going to properly identify with who you are. Identify with the lowest. And what did he say? God will exalt you in the end. James 4, 6 and verse 10. But he gives more grace. How is this possible? Right? But he gives more grace than what he's already given. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if you participate in a worldly system where you try to exalt yourself, what you're saying to God is, I oppose you. Or you set yourself up against God. That's not a bad win. That's not a victory that's going to come your way. But God says, listen, I will give more grace and more grace to those that humble themselves, that don't set themselves up against me, that don't participate in this worldly system. Participate in the kingdom. Jesus is saying the priority of humility not just works vertically with him, but with each other. Right? It works with him because you recognize who you are with him. We talk about this every week when we, we confess our sins is proper to, of how great he is and how little and insignificant we are. But the reality is that because he loves us so much, right, Jesus comes down, condescends with us, in relationship with us. And Jesus if you do that, if you understand actually who you are and who I am, I will exalt you. And he's saying this works in our, our horizontal relationships as well. It's just practical. Those that try to exalt themselves in our lives, we don't want anything to do with them. But those that are humble, we actually like humble people. We like, we like these people in our lives. I mean, the people that are really just you, just, you look at them and you're like, man, they are humble and gracious people. And they don't care what other people think. Those are the people that we want to be with. All of us. It works that way. Vertically and horizontally, the priority of humility because it's the kingdom breaking in. And it's not that the people that don't care, they don't care about people. They do care about people, right? They just don't care about being liked. And it's not like they're going to go around being mean. They actually care deeply about people. They just don't care about the perception of others. Humility contradicts our culture. It contradicts the cultural norms of Jesus' day, and it contradicts the cultural norms of our day, and really of any period. Conquer your fear of being an outsider. Then you'll have kingdom, generous priorities in your life. Jesus then turns his attention from the guests to the host. And he says this to the host. Can you imagine him saying this to the host? Someone has invited you, an important man. I mean, there's not many more people important than this. And Jesus says to him, he also said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, so now he's going to critique him about his dinner and banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. At least they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus has set up like, hey, there's a repayment day. It's just not any time in this world. It's at the end of the world 
in the day of resurrection, right? Every, the just will get their payment then. And you and I know how we're just, right? Not by our actions, but the actions of Jesus on the cross, the giving us of his, his righteousness, his justification. And then, of course, he transforms us into that, right? So remember, this is a hierarchical, class-oriented society. It's right, who you know, who are the people on top, right? Who are they important? They do you a favor, they give you a hand up, right? This is how this works. So the mechanism which I talked about in the passing of these favors and the social climbing was hospitality, was these, are these dinners, bringing people into your home. But here's the thing, what Jesus is saying is hospitality in that time and what you're doing right here to the host, that is not about your generosity. I mean, you might have a generous and gorgeous banquet and meal, but that is not generosity. This is greed. This is greed because what this host is doing, what everyone in that's coming, they're trying to get gain for themselves. They're trying to move up the social ladder. They're trying to get more prestige. It is not about generation. This is, this is the definition of quid pro quo. I'll give you this if you give me that. And everyone in this room is trying to do that because this is how the culture works. And Jesus said, this is not generosity. It may, it may look, it may smack like generosity, but it is not. It is greed. It is selfishness. The priority of generosity, the priority of giving is just that. Selfish giving, not about receiving. About just giving and not worry about any repayment, just for the satisfaction of giving. And so Jesus speaks hyperbolic here. He says, listen, you can't invite your family, your friends, your, neighbor, your rich neighbors. You can't invite. Now, is he literally saying, now, you, if you follow Christ, does that mean you can never have your family over for dinner? No, no, this is hyperbolic. He's speaking to the extreme to understand, know your priorities. This is so much more important. Hospitality, stranger love is so important to the kingdom, is so important to God that it should be in you. So don't just invite your neighbors and friends and your rich friends, right, and your family. I mean, maybe some of you are excited, like, yes, Jesus said I can exclude my family. Thanksgiving's going to be great this year. That's not what he's saying. He's actually probably saying to you that want to exclude your family, you need to include them. Give, be generous, use the mechanism of worldly hospitality. Use the things of this world, this, this hospitality, this, this, these dinner parties for this culture. Use it, he's saying, for kingdom priorities, for inviting those that would never be invited, for inviting the outsider, the outcasts, the people you won't even look at, the people that are unclean, that are Passed out by sight that are nothing, that aren't even people, the lame, the crippled, the blind. Invite them in, the poor. Radically, use the mechanism of hospitality in your world to reach out to the outsiders. Jesus wants us to prioritize gospel hospitality as we're to worldly hospitality. Worldly hospitality is it's for my gain. What do I get out of this? And look at, you and I, we often give because we know it does something in us. There's a pleasure in us giving, right? There's something wrong in that if that's why we're giving. If we get, oh, I feel so good when I give, right? There's something off. I mean, it shouldn't feel bad. I'm not saying 
feel terrible when you give, but if, that is, if that's your reward, then you need to think about why you're giving. He's saying gospel hospitality, gospel stranger love is about this, giving freely without reward. Giving freely just because the people so they earn it, they don't deserve it. That's the point. Give. That's who our God is, who gives freely for people who do not deserve the hospitality of God. Give hospitality that way. Romans 12, 13 says it this extreme way, right? Give this radical, stranger love hospitality. Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints, the kingdom of God, the people of God, and seek to show hospitality, stranger love. Take care of the saints and seek to see, seek hospitality to those on the outside. This is our job. This is what he's calling, this is, this is the character in which he's calling us. So how do we live out? How do we show this gospel hospitality? The first thing, I, these couple points, I actually wrote them, not thinking about the condition of our world. And I'll get back to how I actually can apply this to the condition of our world. Like, it's a little bit different how we do hospitality in this moment. But the first thing is we welcome people. We welcome people into our home. That's, that's how you begin to live out gospel hospitality. We welcome strangers into our home. But here's a way I would say, they don't have to be complete strangers. Like, this, don't. Don't take this exactly literally. Yes, maybe, but people that are different than you, people that probably you're like, you know what, I wouldn't normally hang out with them or I wouldn't normally like them or they're just, they believe or think or act differently than I do. They have different likes. Open up, invite them into your home. But here's my question. What is your home? What is your home? I mean, you think about what, this is my, you think about what your home is. My home is my sanctuary. It's my shelter from all of you. It, it, it is, it's my shelter from the world. It's the place where I get to let my guard down. It's the place where I get to just rest and breathe. And like, you know, why, you do, why would you act differently in your home than elsewhere? I don't know. You all do, and so do I. Right? But it's the place where we get to walk around in our pajamas and be real comfortable. So it's a place of sanctuary and shelter. It's a place of rest. It's also a place of beauty. I like, I like our home to be kind of beautiful, a place where I'm, I'm refreshed, and it's a place where I'm safe. I don't think about that. I just act. That's what our home is. And so Jesus is saying, invite people into your home, into your place of safety, into your sanctuary, into the place of rest, into your place that is beautiful. And oftentimes that's a physical space for us. Now here's the thing. Every person on earth wants a home. N not a physical home, but they want what I just described, don't they? They want a place of peace, of this shalom. They want this place. But all of our homes, whatever we call our home, Everyone on earth, it is inadequate. It is inadequate to actually give what I just described. I mean, it gives it in part, doesn't it? But it is inadequate. It is not the real sanctuary. It is not the real shelter. It is not the real rest. It is not the real beauty. 
It's not the real place of peace. But it gives a glimpse of it. And that's what Jesus said. Invite people into your glimpse of those places because everyone needs it. Everyone deep in their soul wants it. Invite them into that comfortable place in your life, into the shadow sanctuary. And when you invite those people, you're giving them a glimpse of your real home and you're giving them a glimpse of their real home. You're giving them a glimpse of heaven. When you invite people into your home, you're giving them prestige. You're saying, you are worthy to be in this inner circle. You belong here with me. You're showing them they are worthy of this, even though they probably aren't. But here's the thing, you're not worthy of it either. You're giving them a, a place to say, you're worthy and you're to come rest. Here's a place to rest. Rest with me. Find shelter with me. Find protection with me. This is giving without getting. It's they say, hey, I'm just going to give you this and I expect nothing for you. Just be here. Now, here's the thing. Which I'm thinking about like, yeah, I get home. I see that, right? That's a practicable, tangible way when I have a house, come over and hang out with me. And, right, I, you know, I have this, this hospitality rule that my wife doesn't abide with, but like the first time you come to the house, I'm going to serve you, ask you for things, right, and all that kind of stuff, and I'll give it to you. The second time, I'll ask you, and I'll tell you where it is. And the third time, don't ask, just come grab. You just, yours is yours. I don't care. Your family, come in. If you get over three times in my house, you've made it. You're in the inner circle. You're in the sanctuary. You can sit in my chair. Like, it doesn't matter to me, right? That's a little off. <laughs> there, are, there are limits to my hospitality, to my stranger. But in the time of COVID, right? How do we do this? I don't want you in my house. I, I literally, how do we do this? But here's the thing. Our home isn't a geopolitical location on this earth. I know we're saying in heaven, but I'm saying we can have shelter and protection and rest wherever we are. How are you a person of rest with other people? How are you a person of protection? How are you a beautiful person? Because this is what everyone wants with someone else. Can you give that kind of love and that kind of hospitality outside the walls of your home, outside of the walls of this building? Can you be a person of rest for people or do you just drain people? That's what I'm talking about. This is what we need to think about, how we, how we are hospitable in this way in our culture right now. Can I be a person, a sanctuary for people? I mean, this, this really begins to, I was studying this week, like, this is what I should be as a pastor. <laughs> this is really my job, is people to come and find rest in me, right? And this, right, that's basically what people do. Come and tell me their problems, and I don't solve anything. I listen. Provide a place of rest. I mean, that's really now all of our jobs, I was beginning to think about. This is all our, to be this place of sanctuary and shelter for people that so desperately need it. So we invite strangers into our homes, into our lives, into our shalom, into this 
abounding peace in our lives. And the reason we do this, so we can turn strangers into our friends. And that God can turn those friends into his family, which is our family. Right, we, we could say, right, this is mi casa es su casa. My home is your home. And I don't know how to say life, but my life is your life. My rest is your rest. My peace is your peace. Come be with me. Another way I think we can say it, this, this is extravagant hospitality. We need to prioritize this generosity. And I, I think really the understanding of this is that like, why God is emphasizing, why Jesus is emphasizing this radical uh, stranger love because he knows that we are terrible at picking our friends. And like, we say, don't trust yourself in picking your friends because you have a broken way of doing it. You're going to pick people by, do they like the same things? Do they act the same way? And she said, no, man, that's not the family of God. Right? I told you at the beginning of this that we seek to be a diverse church because the bottom line of the understanding is that we know that when we're homogenous, that we're terrible at it. We're terrible at picking up friends. We are terrible at identifying who is the family of God. So stop trying to do it and love those that are outside. Love those that are different than you, and you're going to be radically surprised about how God can overcome any barrier and how who belongs and who doesn't. Who's on the inside of the kingdom and who is not. Unexpected friends. I mean, we wouldn't have formed this church with these people. I, I, I wouldn't have picked you to be pastor to, right? I would have picked a bunch of annoying people that would have drove me crazy because they would have acted and, and like me, which drive me crazy. And this gets to the idea of this uh, host versus guest mentality. You know, a lot of times this guest mentality, we come to church, we have a guest mentality that we, we come here to be served. And yes, you come here to, be, to hear the word of God, to participate, to be given something. Yes, I understand. We, we do that. That's why I come here. But that is not the only reason why you come here. And we go out in the cultures and we transact with people to be served. That's a guest mentality. But what Jesus is saying is that you're always a guest. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> but be a host at the same time. Serve, come here to serve people without. Just serve. Imagine you come in as you think you're a host and not a guest of this building and this community. And this church, you're going to be picking up the trash. You're going to be figuring out how to clean up. You're going to be making sure other people are comfortable and that they have their home and they find their peace here. Instead of, man, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. That didn't fit my what I liked. Right? I'm not comfortable with all that. But if you came with the mentality, like, man, I wonder how they're doing. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to serve others. That's the host. And this is what Jesus is saying: is have a host mentality wherever you're at, even if it's not your home. You're not the host. Have a host mentality and knowing that you're always a guest wherever you go in the world because this world was created by God. But are you a host? 
And here's the kind of cool thing, right, is that when we have this host mentality, when we did have this hospitality mentality, Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality, stranger love, to strangers, that's really repetitive, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. All right, this is actually referring back to, to Genesis 18 where, where uh, uh, Abraham encounters the three visitors, right, and they're complete strangers, and he hosts them, right, and of course one's them to be God, and then two of them end up be angels, right? And so this is pointing out, like, you don't know who you're hosting. You don't know who you're hosting. But treat everyone with that same mentality because no one deserves it. And that's the point, because you don't deserve it either. Give it freely. We talk about this, and I haven't used it for a long time. This, this is the 413 challenge, this hospitality, this host mentality in our church, right? The 413 is the area code in which we live in, Right? And so we used it, hey, uh, four times intentionally uh, relate to people, right? Uh, and then one time uh, intentionally clearly speak the gospel to someone, and then there's three invites, three ways to invite. The first way, you invite people into a personal relationship with you. You invite them into your home, into your sanctuary, into your peace, right? That's what you do. And so you just relate to people. And I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about the outsider. Relate to the outsider. Build relationship with you. And then the second invitation is then invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Things will happen in their life. And then you can actually share your peace, your sanctuary, your home with them. And then invite them into your peace. And then, they get that, invite them into God's home, into God's church. With the community of God. With a bunch of outsiders coming together. This is gospel hospitality. And here's another way. We can actually do this as a church. You can do the individual invitations that way. But there's actually corporate ways that we can do that too. And it is with our financial giving. You can participate in your financial giving of this church. You know, as this church, this is our mentality to do this, to live outside the walls. And so when you give to our church, 10% of every dollar that you give goes to outside missions goes to missions that are in our community that aren't our authority, but are serving the gospel of Jesus Christ. It goes to missions international, right? So 10%, right, boom, bottom line, whatever you give, it goes directly into that fund, and then we give it out. That's, that's one intentional way. And understanding that this is that church's mentality, too, so your money that goes, do that, go support that. But also, you think about it as our capital campaign as you give to it, right? The, one of the reasons that we've been talking about our building, we want to have a building or being a building, whatever building that we have, is a tool or a resource to be hospitable to the outsider. And so we want to be the wisest in this. We want to have, be the wisest with our finances in this. And what is the best tool that God wants us to use to have stranger love to the world, to invite them into our sanctuary of peace and rest and beauty? Look at we are committed. I want you to hear this very clear. We are committed to 1597 Allen Street. You understand that? We are committed. This is a great place. We have a great vision and a plan. We are committed to that. We are open to God leading us elsewhere. As we should be. We should always be open to God. God says go, we got to go. But we are committed. We think we've got a vision, we got a plan. I think God's put this, part, right? But we were open. Like, hey, God could change, right? God's not changing his mind, but he could like reveal, this is what's going to happen. Okay. We're committed, but we're open. 
That's just a way that you can participate corporately in gospel hospitality. And so I would really understand that hospitality, this, this stranger love, is really the idea of loving people to belief. I, I mean, you need to speak the truth to people. You need to speak the gospel. I'm, right? Romans 10, you need to speak the truth, the gospel. But you can't argue someone to Jesus. That's not beautiful. That's not safe. That's not protective. You'll never, you'll never bring them to Jesus that way. This gospel hospitality is given to us and demonstrate, to demonstrate the, God, the grace of God and who, and who he is. This is not a quid pro quo. This is grace lived out for people. So to prioritize generosity, I just want to summarize this. To prioritize generosity, we need to conquer the fear of being an outsider. And we need to prioritize this gospel stranger love in our lives. And then Jesus tells another parable to everyone at that party and really tells it to us. And this is what he, this is what he tells us. So it's, it's almost the same thing. It's about, it's about this great messianic banquet, and it's pretty heavy-handed, to be honest with you. It's pretty clear. This is God's banquet at the end of time. And here's the thing. When there was a big wedding party, there, it's similar to what we do now. We say you could save the day. There would be invitations sent to all well in advance, and they would know. Hey, this is when the big party. And so this is the king. This is the most important person inviting you to this party. Like, yeah, I'm going, right? Because that's the priority of that culture, right? I'm going to go to that party because if I'm not, I'm going to be an outsider. And then there would be a second invitation like a day or two before, just a reminder. Hey, remember, you RSVP'd. The party is the next day. And so this is, the, this is what the parable is. It's about the second invitation. And then there's people backtracking to the king's banquet, to the most important social event in the culture. And people are saying they give up excuses, right? Because here's the reality. They, they, put, they have prioritized other things in their life than the most important social banquet ever. Because here's the thing that you and I know is that sometimes you and I have become too happy, too successful, and too comfortable in this world that we prioritize the world every over the kingdom. That we, we forget why we're here. That we forget the purpose of all things. And this is what happens in this parable, right? There's one person that says, listen, I need to be excused because I need to tend to my field. I, I need to take care of my property. You can't miss one day for the best party ever? Or the person says, I got to tend to my ox. I got five ox. I got to take care of my job. Really important business meeting I got going on. Me and the ox. Or then, look at I got I got a wife, new wife. You know what that means. My family is more important. I mean, imagine telling God, "Listen, my my property is more important. I got to take care of this. My job is more important. My family is more important than you." See, this is our idols, right? Our, our money, our possessions, our status, our job, our ability to make money, our family, our, what we think is our important relationships. Those are our idols. Jesus goes after them. And Jesus says, you, you that have the wrong priorities, you that think all those things are more important to me, guess what? You are uninvited to my party. That's what he says. You that prioritize something else above me, you are no longer invited. We should all gasp at that. That is a hard word. 
And what does he say? like, go get the outsider. Go get the outsider that no one thinks deserves to be at this party. Bring them in. And did you hear in that parable? They're actually, after they did all that, there was still plenty of room. Because you know what? Our God is abundantly generous. And we have turned down those that say, we've got other priorities behind you, God, that we think we got, that your generosity is not enough. We turn down a God like that. Here's what I really want you to understand. Don't misidentify yourself in this parable. Yes, God is warning about, about prioritizing him over everything else. But you and I are not the first guest. You and I are not the first guest. Even though I know at times we put other things first before God. But we are the second guest. We are the lame, the poor, the blind, the crippled. We are the ones that are unworthy for this banquet. We're unworthy to be in a relationship with God because the reality is we actually know we're the bride at this party. We're the bride. I just want you to understand that, that God is generous with us. This is the gospel. God chose us. We didn't choose him. And he freely gave to us because he knows by our natures that we are greedy, that we are broken. And God invites us into the eternal, into the perfect home, sanctuary, shelter, place of peace and rest and beauty. More so than that, you know what God did? God chose us for each other. God chose us for stranger love. Tim Keller says it this way. Jesus is the ultimate homeless that becomes the ultimate host. He's the ultimate outsider of this world, right? Born into poverty, born into a manger, into dirty muck, being fled. He's born into poverty. He's actually executed outside the city walls that doesn't belong. Jesus had to be thrown out, uninvited, so that you and I could be invited in. Jesus intercedes and becomes the first guest in this parable for us. So we're the second guest. That we're the ones invited back in. He has become uninvited so we can go to the party. This is gospel generosity. We are to prioritize gospel hospitality in our life. We are to prioritize stranger love in our life. God is making the strangers of this world into his eternal family. When we prioritize the things of the world, money, status, earthly family, etc., etc., we become strangers to God. When we prioritize gospel, hospitality, stranger love, generous love, we become strangers to the world and we become part of God's family and live out the character of of our Father. Will you anticipate priorities in your life? Will you anticipate kingdom priorities in your life? Will you anticipate gospel hospitality in your life? If you want to know generosity, you need to know Jesus. If you want to love your neighbors and strangers generously, 
we need to prioritize Jesus and his hospitality, his love, and his mission for everyone else. Whatever, whatever is your priority that is getting in the way or above God, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Simple as that. Whatever is your priority that's getting in the way of your gospel hospitality, fix it. Get rid of it. Change it. I mean, if it's your political views, if it's your financial standing, if it's your possessions, it's your ego, your family, your friendships, get rid of it. All of it is temporal. Focus on the eternal. Do not let the things of this world hinder the mission of gospel hospitality. Do not let her hinder the priority of generosity in our lives. Listen, because our generosity isn't for our benefit. It isn't for our benefit. It's for the benefit of others outsiders like us. Let us pray. Gracious Father.